Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, what's up, everybody? Amen. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor. I want to take a moment and welcome all of our locations, physical and online. We're glad you're with us. And we are in a series, How to Get Close to God. Has it been good so far? That's great. Well, before I preach, uh, let me just remind you of something that's coming up, okay? Uh, on, on May 20th, that is a Saturday, we're having our annual team conference. It's a very special day. It's one of my favorite things that we do. Uh, the purpose of team conference is to encourage those who serve and thank them. And it really is a celebration of what our culture is supposed to be like. So of course, we invite anyone in our church to join us that day, even uh, if you are not uh, on a team. Uh, it really helps you understand the heart of why we do what we do. And you are so blessed when you come, not just the great community and friendship and fun, but the powerful services, the time in God's presence. It is a special day, and I don't want anyone in our church to miss it, okay? All right, so I want to encourage you to be there. Got great preachers this year and, and guests and, and so forth, but here's kind of what, what tends to happen. Uh, a couple days before or the day before or the night before, uh, people sign up, even the majority of folks sign up, and then it's just absolute chaos for our team to try to order lunch and get the snacks and the things we need. And so uh, I, I know that in our culture, we try to wait to the last minute to see if something better comes up. Okay, but I promise you nothing better is going to come up than team conference. So I want you to just make a decision today to be there. We have free childcare all day long. You're home before dinner time. All right, and so let's sign up. Here's how you sign up. You just text TBC Serve to 94000. TBC Serve to 94000. That's how you sign up for team conference. We, we can't wait to host you. It's gonna be a special day. Plenty of parking, plenty of seats, going to be the best day of your life, okay? <laughs> Amen. All right. All right, so um, I, um, when I was uh, maybe seven, um, I had a tragic incident take place. Um, I was holding the door for friends at a summer camp. And when I was holding the door, just being a servant, as the Lord instructed me at seven, um, my finger, my left finger, my middle finger, I can't hold it up to show you because it would look like I was, you know, um, it got caught in the metal gym door. Does that just make you squirm a little? And my, my finger was basically hanging off and um, it, it, was, it was pretty gross. And they, they rushed me to uh, the hospital uh, to try to save my finger. And they did. They saved my finger. Isn't that amazing? Aren't you glad? You don't, I don't have nine fingers. I've got 10. Uh, and, but, but I was like reflecting on that because I, I'm like triggered all the time now about doors. I'm always like... Whenever I see a door, <laughs> like yelling at my kids, move your fingers. You know, they're like 10 feet away. 
uh, stuff happens, you just kind of get triggered, right? It like kind of stays with you. Uh, and, but, but the crazy thing about it is, is it was like a, a, it was like a severe injustice. Here I was holding the door for people and I got hurt. Isn't that like life a little bit? Where it's like, man, I'm just helping or minding my own business. And the next thing you know, I get hurt because of it. Doesn't that feel like an extreme injustice? Have you ever experienced an extreme injustice in your life? Yeah, if you live long enough, no matter who you are, at some point, something bad may happen to you or someone you love, and it's just not fair. Have you ever said that before? The thing about justice is, and that's not really my message, but the thing about justice is, is, is we won't achieve or experience true, whole, complete justice until we get to heaven. Okay, I just want to be clear about that. Uh, however, in this life, Jesus says, we'll have trouble. He says that. He also says, take heart, I've overcome the world. So, so Jesus presents us this kind of like dichotomy here, like, like life sometimes sucks. <laughs> but also um, take heart because I, I'm with you and I promise to never leave you or forsake you. And in your pursuit of good and in your pursuit of righteousness and in your pursuit of health and in your pursuit of, of following me and in your pursuit of justice and in your pursuit of all these different things, understand that not everything's gonna go your way. But if you know the way, if you know the way, I can work it out for your good. And when we consider bad things happening, it just feels like, especially with social media, it's constantly in front of our face. Do you ever ask the question, why do bad things happen? Like, why are some people born the way that they're born? Or why do some people die young? Or why do some people have miscarriages? Or why do some people not able to get pregnant? Or why is someone plagued with an unworthy disease? Or why do certain things happen? And sometimes bad things happen because people make bad decisions. You know, you're driving drunk or you're overdosing or you're neglecting your body or there's terrible eating or there's no exercise or you're accepting abuse and staying in. I mean, there are certain things that happen that really you've chosen to allow them to happen. But then there's other things that happen that you didn't choose. What do you do when you don't choose it? But my hypothesis today is that pain and suffering actually can help you get closer to God. So I want to preach a message titled, Why or When Bad Things Happen. When Bad Things Happen. So turn to somebody next to you and, and tell them you're not a bad thing, all right? You're not a bad. <laughs> this is a heavier message. This is, this is not, I'm not gonna be able to sit up here and um, joke around and provide you such deep comic relief like I often do. 
because um, I've got a lot of content today. I, w I also want to say uh, to all of our locations, you, you really don't need to take notes today. You need to come back to this stuff because it's, it's, there's so much here and it's too much for me to accomplish. That What I'm going to give you is a two-hour lecture in 30 minutes, okay? Uh, and, and I don't typically preach like this. I like to preach a little bit of a narrative story, but I, I really want to kind of really teach you a little bit of God's word today. So you should take notes. Um, but I want to start off with, with this John Piper quote. John Piper, uh, former pastor, he's retired. He said this, says, one of my duties as your pastor is to preach and pray in such a way that you are prepared in mind and heart not to curse God in the day of your calamity. But even more, that instead of cursing, you might worship God and bless him as your free and sovereign father, no matter how intense the grief or deep the pain he brings into your life. So how, how friends, does God turn pain into good? Um, the book of Job is a recorded story for us. And I think that it exists to help us live and thrive through calamities and help us experience deep intimacy with the Lord. The story of Job is kind of broken up into major themes throughout 42 chapters. Now, I'm not gonna give you 42 chapters today, but ultimately Job is a righteous and he's a wealthy man with a lot of family and a lot of stuff. Satan comes to God and asks if he can afflict Job to see if he can turn Job away from God. God is so confident in Job's righteousness that God says it'll never happen. And ultimately it backfires on Satan, which when we're faithful, it always backfires on Satan. But Job's pain, and it's great, ends up drawing him closer to God. And at the end of the story, he ends up getting seven times everything he lost. Amen. But, but I want to start at the end of the story, Job 42, verse five. And this is after Job experienced all his pain. And the Bible says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I love this because, because Job had wealth, he had stuff, he had family, right? But it wasn't until he went through a lot of grief and a lot of pain, at the end of it, he goes, you know, like I knew you, but I didn't know you. And sometimes pain and suffering when we manage it correctly, draws us closer to the Lord and provides us deeper intimacy that we didn't know we could have because he becomes all we have. So I wanna answer three questions today. And th this is where my teaching style is gonna be different today. I wanna answer three questions, okay? How, the, the ultimate question is, is, is how does pain and suffering, how does bad things help us get close to God? But I'm gonna answer it in three questions. Here's the first question. Number one, who is responsible when bad things happen? Who? Let's go to Job chapter one, verse six. Bible says, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, always remember that's his first title. The accuser, Satan, came with them. 
Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. My, my wife tells me that all the time. He's, he is blameless. I said I was gonna make jokes today. But it's just truth. He is, they can't recover here. They can't recover. I don't know if you're laughing at me or think. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. This is tough to read. In Job 2, 7 through 8, and in Job 7, 5, Job contracts a nasty skin disease that causes extended and great suffering. This is after Satan approaches God again, asking for more pain because Job did not buckle and curse God when Job lost his wealth and his family. Now, if you're honest with yourself, and if you are someone who is is uh, really questioning your faith, uh, it seems confusing and it seems frustrating. God, aren't you supposed to be our protector? But we're not there yet, okay? The, the question I wanna focus on is this, is who is responsible for pain? First Peter 5.8 says this, it says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls like, not as, but like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Then in John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So when you see 1 Peter, you see Satan who's looking to devour people. Then in John 10, you see Jesus saying, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his whole purpose. But Jesus goes, on the contrary, I've come to give life and life abundantly. Jesus, though, doesn't say, I've come to give you lots of wealth, lots of things, lots of happiness. I've come to hook you up. No, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. How do we define abundant life? That answers everything. What, what is it when calamity and when trouble surround you, it's because Satan is attempting to steal from you. But remember, when it's happening, God is also trying to bless you. Satan always counterfeits what God creates. And so God wants to bless, Satan wants to steal. The enemy wants to devour, God wants to give you life. But we have to define this abundant life because here's what God will bless us with in the midst of pain. He will bless us with a story. He will bless us with perseverance. He will bless us with the ability to relate to others. He will bless us with a deeper knowledge of who he is. 
He will bless us with a greater appreciation for our blessings, which sometimes is good in and of itself. He will bless us with protection from sin and pride, and he blesses us with the security of our soul. He blesses us with something better, something more, something richer, something abundant. He blesses us with clarity and a less superficial understanding of what worship is. Jesus blesses us with comfort in times of sorrow. He blesses us with our need for him, and he gives us his voice. He blesses us by drawing us close or closer to him because he promises that he's near to the brokenhearted. Ultimately, the four answers to who is responsible for bad things happening. Here's what I see. Number one, Satan is the initiator of your difficulty so that you might curse God. When you're going through something bad, Satan is often the initiator of your difficulty so you might curse God. Number two, and this is a tough one, but God at times allows difficulty and pain for a greater purpose that we cannot often see until we get to the other side. Number three, we are the agitators of our own pain by the bad choices we make. And everybody in this room has been an agitator at some point of our own pain and trouble and we blame God or Satan. Sometimes we just gotta go, you know what? I don't know if God or Satan was involved here. It was just me being dumb. The fourth one is the disease of sin that entered through Adam and Eve's disobedience will have a reverberation until humanity ends. Which is why which is why though we pursue righteous things and though we should pursue a culture that honors God, it is unlikely that we will eradicate all sin and bad behavior while we live. It doesn't mean that we don't pursue righteous things. It's just you have to understand that the sin of Adam reverberates and the curse of sin is on Jesus for your redemption. But not everybody chooses Jesus. Therefore, there is lingering sin on the earth no matter what we do. Yeah. One of the things that I find fascinating is when secular people who don't know God, who don't honor God, want to see good and God things happen. It is an example of the God DNA in all people. But often these things are misguided because there's still sin involved. And what I'm telling you is sometimes we can actually perpetuate problems with good intentions, especially when Christ is not at the center of it. So bad things, friends, and you can't live your life afraid, in fear, but bad things will continue to happen until Christ comes and rescues his church or until your life expires and you're with Jesus. In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart. Something better is available for you in Jesus Christ. Number two, why 
Why do bad things happen? And you can throw pain in there. You can throw tragedy in there. You can throw calamity in there. Uh, you can throw uh, mass shootings in there. You can throw sicknesses and disease in there. Why do bad things happen? Well, there are a lot of theories as to why they happen, but here in my study are six things that I've discovered. Six. The first one is that God wants to grant us joy and Satan wants to steal it. Because the journey of a believer is a constant battle between the truth about happiness and the pursuit of true joy. See, happiness, and I feel like once a year I remind us of this, and maybe once a month I have to remind myself of this, is that happiness is momentary and it's fleeting, and joy is everlasting, and it brings us strength. The truth about happiness is it's something, it's, it, it, happiness is a transaction where it's like, I buy this, I've got a new outfit, it looks good for two wares, I'm happy. And then somebody does your laundry and shrinks your clothes. When it says in the laundry room, uh, cold, cold, no dry. That ever happened to you before? No? Okay, it's just me. Okay, I'm just kidding. I've been doing laundry forever, okay? No. <laughs> See, when you're preaching a tough message, you gotta insert a little comic relief there. You know, I don't, I don't know what, what happiness is for you. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what, transactions give you quick relief. And the thing is, is, is happiness isn't bad. You, you don't need to feel guilty on some level for going out for ice cream. You don't need to feel guilty for a nice meal or for going uh, to a, a painful baseball game. You, you don't need to feel guilty about happiness but again, a, a lot of us build our internal soul health on happiness and it can't be done. And so when we answer the question of, of why pain and bad things happen, a lot of times it, it's because we live in a world that is in pursuit of happiness and will pay any price and cut anybody down. Because even revenge for some people is happiness. Even stealing life and murder for some people is happiness. This is a problem in our culture because we are in the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is fine. It's just got to be in order. It's got to be below joy. Nehemiah 8.10 Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This moment is in the midst with Nehemiah and the people of Israel of great trouble and triumph. They're rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. Joy is attached to purpose, obedience, and trust. Amen. I hope other locations clap for that. 
Happiness, again, is fleeting and it ends with a pursuit of pleasure or a pursuit of elevating oneself above others. But joy is attached to the depth of community we have, the worship we engage in, the peace that's in our soul. That even if I don't get everything I want, or even if I'm not treated fairly, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Amen. Got some awesome saints in here. They've been in, they were in kids' church. Joy can't be shaken and it can't be taken, but it can be given away. You can give it away to others by blessing them and you can give it away to Satan who sits and begs and says, I got something better. Satan uses two forms of perversion, pain and pleasure. Pain to convince us God is not good and powerless and pleasure to convince us that God is not necessary. Second one is that God is pruning our heart of pride because he loves us. God allows Satan to test Job because Job is so blessed and his life is so full of what the world determines as good or as success. And what God wants is a successful heart and soul. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It was actually good for Job to lose all wealth to remind him that God's face is what we seek, not God's hand. God so purposely desires that your heart be found in him, that he be your treasure, not the temporary things of earth, including your health or your money. John Piper goes on to say this. He says, Job's suffering has a twofold explanation. Its purpose at the outset was to demonstrate God's value and glory. And its ongoing purpose was to refine Job's righteousness. His suffering is not punishment. It's not a sign of God's anger. Job's pain is not the pain of the executioner's whip, but the pain of the surgeon's scalpel. The removal of the disease of pride is the most loving thing God could do, no matter what the cost. Remember the words of the Lord, better to suffer the excruciating pain of a gouged out eye than to let any sin remain in your hearts. If this does not seem obvious to you, namely that sanctification is worthy any pain on this earth, it's probably because you don't abhor sin and prize holiness the way God does and the way you should. So let us examine ourselves carefully at this point. Next one is that God grants Satan limited power on earth for a time because Satan's work is redeemed as the work of God. Hear me on this. Paul writes in Romans 8 a promise that those who are called according to his purpose, he's working out all things for their good. This promise proves that Satan's most vile, wicked, awful 
get redeemed as the work of God when you stand on the neck of the enemy victorious after you've gone through it. It's why Paul writes, after a while, stand. After you've put on the full armor of God, after you've fended off the attacks of the enemy, do all you can to stand and then stand again. Because you will in your lifetime on some level have the peace and understanding that the enemy will lose and that all the acts will eventually be redeemed for your good and for God's glory. God is teaching us what true worship is. Why? Well, we cannot worship both God and money and we cannot worship both comfort and Christ at the same time. We are too familiar, when we're too familiar with these and cannot function without them, we pose a threat to our remembering the truth about worship, that he deserves it all. Is it wrong to have money and comfort? No, you can worship and have them. It's just that tragedy often aligns our perspective without asking us permission. So when things happen to us, we don't say, hey God, hook me up with a disease. Hey God, give me some pain. Hey God, let me hurt. These things happen and they don't ask our permission. And what it does is it drives us to our knees in prayer and in worship. And it's in that place we experience the presence and the goodness of God. For you, why does this happen? For you to experience victory in your faith. In Job 2, 8 through 10, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. See, this is victory for Job in his life and house and it shames the enemy in heaven's courts. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord despite all things. Don't you want to shame the enemy in heaven's courts? I want to shame the enemy any chance I get. Why do bad things happen? It gives us an opportunity to experience victory in our faith. I'm running out of time, but I want to read this last one. This is number three. How do we respond to pain and bad things? Well, firstly, we should grieve and worship. In Job 1, 20 through 21, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. This is a sign of maturation. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of holiness. When you can sit here and go, I'm going to cry. I'm going to weep. I'm going to shout. I'm going to get alone. I'm going to hug friends. I'm going to sing loud. I'm going to do all of it. I'm going to say, no matter what, I bless the name of the Lord, whether he gives, whether he takes, no matter what it is. Growing up, growing up, we had this family in our church. They had four children. Two of them they lost within six months in driving accidents. And as they were in the hospital, I remember the mother sharing her testimony as we were saying goodbye to their one son, weeping, 
She said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh, but blessed be the name of the Lord. They've never wavered. God has redeemed their pain. We should declare the truth when we're in pain, that God is sovereign, that his word is steadfast, that his timing is impeccable, that you are loved no matter what you're going through. We should seek out the specific purposes and tell our testimony because our testimony will encourage us and it will encourage other people. We should apply faith and release control and never quit on God. And I think this is where so many people miss out on the redemptive work of God because the pain is too much to bear. Like, have you ever been there? You've been working out or, or, or you've been trying to eat right or whatever it is. And you're like, man, the pain is just too much to bear. I, I need relief. It's like, it's like, how do I go on like this? And, and so many believers in, in their own pain or disappointment or fear or frustration or whatever it is, so many people quit too soon. I, I, God, I can't, I can't go through this. I, I, I'm tired. So, I, so what I do is that I go and I pursue happiness and I pursue a relief that covers me for a moment, that eases the pain for a moment, but leaves me in a deeper pit. And what, what I'm telling you is, 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 is we can't quit on God. We have to trust that he is who he says he is. And what's so powerful about the story in Job 38 verse four, Job is like about to quit. He's kind of at the end. And he's having this conversation with God. And I think it's one of the most powerful conversations in all of the Bible. And God responds to Job like this. He says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He says that in, in 38.4, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He goes on and, and, I, and I summarize it, but God's like, were you there to support the foundations and lay its cornerstones? As the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted, were you there to keep the sea in its boundaries? Were you there to put the daylight to spread across the ends of the earth? He goes on and says, do you know where the gates of death are located? Where does light come from? Where does darkness go? Can you take it to its home? Do you know how to get there? Have you, he, God says this, have you visited the storehouses of snow and hail? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Can you direct the movement of the stars, loosening the cords of Orion? Guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens. Can you make lightning appear? Who gives the wild donkey its freedom? Will you discredit my justice? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice? And, and God just goes into this whole thing with Job where he's like, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Did you make all this stuff happen? Do you really understand what you're talking about? Do you really understand what true justice is? Do you really understand what it's like to give your one and only son to go be on a cross to redeem you even when you didn't deserve to be redeemed? 
And God is not being cruel here. He, he's not being rude here. He's saying, Job, you got to trust me. I am God and you are not. And ultimately, friends, listen to me, ultimately, when you are going through pain and discomfort and sickness and challenge and disappointment and questioning, when you go there, you've got to get down on your knees and go, okay, I wasn't there when you created the heavens and the earth. I I wasn't there when you knit my body together in my mother's womb. I wasn't there when you made the decision about this and when you made the decision about that. I I wasn't there when you defeated death, hell, and the grave. I wasn't there. So here's what I'm going to do, God. I am going to, even though it costs me everything, even though it hurts, even though I can't muster the strength right now, I know that if you give me your joy, I'll be strong enough. If you cover me and love me, you'll heal me. And at some point, this will work out for my good. So what do I do? I lift my hands to worship you because you deserve it anyway. Whether you give, whether you take, blessed be the name of the Lord. I know, I know we're struggling with this today. Because it's like, how, why, why do these things happen? But ultimately, what God is trying to make happen is the best version of you that glorifies him and honors him so that he can do something great through your life. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again. God bless you.